Hey everyone, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, episode 301. Before we start, I'd like to give a shout out to Karen Margaret and Richard S. Fernandez for liking The Week in Doubt Facebook page. Thanks guys, much appreciated. Almost up to 190 likes, just a few shy if anyone out there wants to help. Click that little like button, you know what I'm saying? Here and there I'll seem to lose a couple of likes, and then I'll get Facebook suggesting that I invite people who I thought already liked the page and who I interact with regularly to like the page again. At first I thought it was some sort of glitch, but I think what it is, and I can't really blame them, is that it's people who still like the show and enjoy following my posts, but are maybe a little wary or self-conscious about people seeing atheist content in their feed, so they quote-unquote unlike the page but continue to follow the posts. And in fairness, uh, I know some of my posts can be pretty racy and or irreverent, uh, so once again, can't really blame them. Um, but why do I even care about Facebook likes? I know that particularly among younger people, Facebook is essentially a dying platform. But I've found that for me, it nevertheless remains a useful and effective way of sharing posts and maintaining contact with listeners. And honestly, part of it probably is just a neurotic validation thing. I like seeing those likes go up. It's good for my fragile ego. But now that I've bitched about Facebook, I might as well bitch about YouTube as well. I noticed that the audio version of the 300th episode was pretty well received. And to be honest, despite how critical of myself and my work, uh, as I can often be, I actually thought it was one of um, my more solid episodes. I thought it was a fun idea to revisit the very first episode and offer a kind of juxtaposition between then and now. And I think making that episode proved to be rather beneficial or eye-opening for myself. There was something about going back and being reminded of where I was coming from in the beginning that helped me put things in perspective and kind of recrystallize or reaffirm my own worldview. But somewhat surprisingly, the YouTube version of the 300th episode seems to be really underperforming. And believe me, I definitely don't suffer from any delusions of grandeur. I know that even after five or six years of doing this show, I still remain a rather small content creator with a relatively small audience or following. I have a few original videos like my one on the Founding Fathers, my History of St. Patrick, and my Krampus documentary that have done very well, not Philip DeFranco or Amazing Atheist well, but still, not too shabby. We're talking 20 or 30,000 views, depending on which specific video we're talking about. But generally speaking, the average episode of this podcast usually only gets between maybe 40 to 200 views on YouTube. It's embarrassing to admit that, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, the audio-only podcast version of the show seems to fare a lot better. Uh, yet, ironically, I feel like a lot of the feedback comes from YouTube, and I think that's because of the nature of the platform. Uh, 
where a person can watch a video and comment on it immediately. Whereas obviously you don't have that same convenience when listening to a traditional podcast. If you want to let a content creator know you dig what they're doing, you probably have to hunt them down via Facebook or Twitter or leave an iTunes review, something like that. I should stop to say that I really do appreciate it when people take the time to do that. I've formed a lot of online friendships with people who have gone out of their way to get in touch with me through Twitter or Facebook and let me know they appreciate what I'm doing, or maybe they even respectfully offer some constructive criticism or to try to correct me on something I may have gotten wrong, and uh, I really do value those interactions. But anyway, yeah, the YouTube version of the 300th episode is really underperforming, as I was saying, even by my usual standards. I think it currently has 20-something views, 3 likes, and 2 dislikes. I can kind of understand why there's fewer views. That seems to be par for the course when I publish a video that has a title that doesn't allude to any popular topics. It's simply called Episode 300, the inaugural episode revisited, so there's nothing really juicy in the title that would draw new eyeballs. The thumbs down, I'm not really sure what that's all about. I've been fairly lucky in the sense that I really haven't garnered much online hate during my time as a content creator. Even when people are critical of me, they're still usually fairly respectful. I find that when I do have a video that garners downvotes, it's usually one having to do with a really controversial or divisive topic, or maybe a controversial or divisive figure like, say, Jordan Peterson or Milo Yiannopoulos. This was just the 300th episode, something geared towards my regular listeners. Other than me expressing my atheistic worldview, which I pray much to every week, I don't think there was really anything controversial about it. But I should try not to blow things out of proportion. I know two downvotes isn't a lot, but when it's three to two, it still kind of feels like a lot. And on a side note, I did learn the hard way that there is another way to ensure that you get downvotes. And that's to mislabel a video. Nothing angers YouTube viewers like clicking on something and realizing it's a response video. I didn't even think much of it at the time, but I had made a response video to the amazing atheist appear or one of his appearances on the Joe Rogan show. And I wasn't trying to be intentionally misleading, but I neglected to mention in the title that it was a response video. So you had a bunch of Joe Rogan and or amazing atheist fans thinking they were going to see this kind of unadulterated clip uh, from the long form interview. And instead they get me. So yeah, significant amount of downvotes, but on the upside, I think to this day, the likes and dislikes are about tied on that video. <laughs> but anyway, I think I mentioned this idea on the show a while back, but I'm getting the urge again. I, I may actually try to breathe new life into the YouTube channel soon by starting a vlog series where I show my face and tackle a different topic in each installment. Maybe in the first episode, I'll go over my basic worldview again, give my reasons for being a non-believer, etc. But yeah, finding success on YouTube is pretty challenging. And I think there's a lot of different factors 
One is it's just a numbers game. According to these statistics I found via a quick Google search, as of 2016, there were about 1.36 billion YouTube users and about 136 million people with YouTube accounts. So talk about a needle in a haystack. It's not easy getting noticed. Uh, a lot of YouTubers will tell you that's very important to network and make friends with bigger content creators. And I think that's very true, but to be honest, it's not something I've put a hell of a lot of effort into. I'm usually just trying to survive the work week and then find time to get an episode of the podcast out and then in turn trying to find some time to turn that into a YouTube video. Speaking of that though, I actually did get invited to take part in a live stream with a fairly popular YouTuber. Pimp Monk, who you guys may know from the Drunken Peasants, actually invited me on his morning show. He wanted me to appear this past Tuesday, but I couldn't make it. As usual, I was working construction with my family, and then in between, I was working on a company website. I hope we stay in touch, though. I definitely would like to appear on his show at some point. Pimp Monk's a cool dude. Uh, if it wasn't for Pimp Monk, I might not have ever heard of Kratom. Uh, he and Ben from the Drunken Peasants used to mention it all the time, and my curiosity finally got the better of me. The rest is history. I'm now a proud Kratom user. I think another factor regarding YouTube success is subject matter. You're probably going to stand a better chance of finding success if you're doing uh, top 10 lists or talking about pop culture, etc. Subjects that have a really broad appeal. If you're choosing to focus on a niche topic like atheism, then right out the gate you're already limiting your chances of becoming popular in any broad sense. I think as of 2014, according to a Pew study, only about 3 point something percent of Americans actively identify as atheists. But that being said, ethically speaking, I think people should choose to cover subjects that they're passionate about instead of just chasing dollars. Of course, it's always nice if you can have the best of both worlds. I think that's the ideal, not just on YouTube, but in life in general, to be able to earn a living doing something you love or that that you're passionate about, but as many of you probably know, that's not always easy. I try to be brutally honest with myself, and even though, as I stated, the topic of atheism may be something of a niche subject or a subject with limited appeal, that doesn't mean you can't find success talking about it. There's a lot of successful atheist YouTubers out there, and I often ask myself, okay, what's the difference between me and them? And some of it is maybe just a matter of luck or exposure, but just being brutally honest, I'm sure style, polish, delivery, all that factors in as well. I'm kind of a laid-back guy with a drowsy voice who often, especially in my unscripted episodes, likes to kind of take the scenic route on the way to making a point. No flashy intros, uh, no cartoon avatars, uh, no slick visuals, no in-your-face animations or fiery bombast, etc. I would maybe at some point like to add some more polish to my style, and actually I recently subscribed to Adobe Creative Cloud. I want to get back into design more, so I bit the bullet and subscribed to the whole suite. So maybe I'll try to hone my skills a bit more and learn some new software while I'm at it. Creative Cloud's almost 60 bucks a month, so I better make sure I get some use out of it, or it'll be just one more thing needlessly sucking money out of my pockets. 
Well, actually, on the upside, I have already used it to make some stock art and to work on the company website for my family's business, so I guess I am already making some use of it. I've long used Illustrator and Photoshop to create artwork for the show, but now I have access to the newer versions and updates, so that's good, I guess. Wow, what a mundane turn the conversation's taken. I'm talking about my Creative Cloud subscription. But one last word on the perils of trying to be an atheist YouTuber, and this is really just a further exploration of the numbers game or oversaturation problem I was talking about. I can remember when I first felt motivated, first to try to write a book about my worldview, and then to try to start my own podcast, that up till then I hadn't really had much interaction with fellow non-believers or skeptics, which is why I think, at least in part, that I felt so motivated to express my views. I grew up in a fairly small New England town, was raised Roman Catholic, forced to attend CCD, Sunday school, etc. So the only people I really ever talked about religion with were usually, well, the religious. I may have had friends or bandmates who shared some of my doubts, but I knew of no one who actively identified as an atheist, and no one's doubts seemed to go quite as far as my own. Maybe it did, but if so, they didn't express it. Even when I got a bit older, into my late teens, even well into my 20s, the people around me or that I encountered who had seemed to have moved away from organized religion still seemed to be holding on to some superstitious or airy-fairy spiritual ideas. Now, I did have one brother, the brother who I currently work with, or rather for, in the family business, who in retrospect did spout some pretty atheistic ideas every now and then. He's probably about five or six years older than me, and I can remember being perhaps middle school-aged, and he casually stating in the family dining room that there was no God, and later, when I was in my late teens or early 20s, we were driving to a job site in either Cambridge or Newton, I think, and we passed a church, and there were a bunch of people dressed in black out front getting ready for a wake or to take part in a funeral procession or something like that. And I said something to the effect, or asked the question rather, of whether or not the people grieving at funerals really believe that their loved ones have gone on to some other place or continue to exist after the death of the body. And my brother just kind of wryly or matter-of-factly said no and made the point that if they really believed that, then what was all the crying about, you know? And ironically, the same brother a year or two ago when he finally asked what my podcast was about and I told him it pretty much explores religion from an atheistic or skeptical point of view, replied with a disapproving look. It's all about that shit? It was like, wow, thanks for the support. But my point is, to get back on track, I really didn't have a lot of exposure to fellow non-believers with the exception of those anecdotes about my brother I just shared. So in a way, when I first set pen to paper in an attempt to write a book, and then when I first started my podcast, I really felt like I had something big to offer, that I had this worldview that I needed to share. But I quickly realized after launching the show that I was just a very small fish in a very large pond, that atheist podcasts and atheist YouTube channels were a dime a dozen, that tackling everything from Pascal's wager to the Pledge of Allegiance had already been done to death. But despite the oversaturated market, I continued on and still do because this is the subject matter that interests me. There's definitely an upside to realizing you're a small fish in a big pond, though. I've met a lot of like minds or kindred spirits, and that camaraderie means a lot to me. 
So, you know, there's that. I was going to tackle a couple of news stories, but I've been rambling for a while, so I'm probably going to leave it there. Thanks for listening, everyone. And you guys know the drill. Please like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you want to help the show monetarily, you can go to Podbean, uh, look for The Week in Doubt, and use the PayPal widget at the bottom of the page. There's that uh, alliteration. Or you can uh, simply go to patreon.com slash theweekendout and help the show out for as little as 99 cents a month. And speaking of Patreon, I don't know if any of you Patreon supporters out there might have missed it, but last week I uploaded an audiobook version uh, of me reading H.P. Lovecraft's The Silver Key. And I think it's almost a half an hour long. So, you know, if you like short stories or if you're a horror or Lovecraft fan, you know, you can check that out. So, yeah, uh, as little as 99 cents a month gets you access to those short story readings, to episodes of the so-called not-so-secret show, and whatever other bonus content I decide to, uh, you know, put up there. So, once again, thanks for listening, brothers and sisters, and until next week. (laughs) 